1: Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Thursday, October 14th, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, fresh off of ranking 358 Division One men's college basketball teams. Gonzaga at the top or Chicago State at the bottom dead leg. Have you recovered from ranking 358 basketball teams? And how many hours do you suspect something like that takes a man these days? I had
0: two coaches text me earlier this week asking me that exact question. Good morning, GP. It's great to be here. Um, I estimate when you take into account the writing, the research, the calls to the coaches in the league just to make sure like, hey, I want to put this team ninth. Am I an idiot? Are they going to be like top three? That kind of stuff. Uh, I'd say about seventy hours total of ranking, writing, research. It's oh, I feel, you, to me, this day is like the day after the championship for you. I <laughs> you know it really is. I no exactly. I, I I love and hate doing this. I remember it would have been I think six years ago when Sam Vicini, who you may or may not hear on this episode of the podcast, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Uh, we started talking about doing this as a tandem which at the time was like, okay, yeah, we can do it. Let's do it. Let's split up the capsules. It was like 353 teams in the sport then. By the way, trivia time, Hmm. if you read, and I don't expect that you read it, but if you read the 201 to 358, you know the new team. Who is the new team to Division I this season, Gary Parish? The (laughs) The St. Thomas Tommies, which...
1: The, the Tommies are now Division One. They're the
0: Tommies. Minnesota now has two Division One programs in the state. Uh, the Golden yeah, Gophers. The Tommies
1: and the Bonnies both playing Division One basketball. That's
0: right. The Tommies and the Bonnies. That's right. We can get to the Bonnies they should in a minute.
1: Schedule. They should schedule a home and home.
0: I love it. And you know what? It's an. It's a. We don't need another team. Let me be clear about this. But at least it's not a Tiger, a Wildcat, any kind of Fighting Hawk. Like I love that it's a unique name. It's its own deal. Uh, so they're the Tommies. But anyway. Um, Yeah, man, the past, like, really, it's the past month of doing this. um, But it feels great to have it uh, done. Obviously, if you're listening to the pod, which you are because you're hearing me say this, I will have links to all three pieces of the countdown in the podcast description so that you can scroll through as you listen to this. But it is. Uh, it is genuinely a, a huge undertaking, and my children get to see their father again, which is wonderful. But I do like doing it. There's obviously a ton of feedback, and it winds up being one of the more shared and read things in the preseason. And we're the only ones that do it. You know, it's not just a ranking where, you know, like you have these preseason metrics like Ken Palm and Torvik, which is actually hard for me because I do not consult. Well, Ken Palm's not even up yet. I try and First get this off, out. You're
1: crazy if you don't at least look at. I don't. <laughs> If I were doing this, the first thing I would do yeah. is grab an Athlon and uh, and go to bartorvic.com
0: I, I no, just as a guy. I know, I know, I know, I know.
1: So Cause, cause, let's be honest, there's no way. Like as much as you follow the sport, you can't rank 358. Correct. Teams. Well, I can, but I mean you can, but like you don't know anything but about the, those the teams. way I
0: kind. Of, I don't want it to be a situation where I rank a team. 292, and then I check, and a metric has them at like 147, and then I'm like, all right, then I'm gonna adjust. I try and kind of go at it, uh, n- not blind, if you will, but blind from a metric standpoint, because the metrics are the smartest that do this. So uh, the way I get around that is I ask the coaches, and to be fair, I think the coaches sometimes uh give it to me through that filter because, um, I don't know if the I don't know if the public realizes this or not, but like coaches can coaches pay Ken Pomeroy uh, for his off-season ranking. Like, his ranking is done. He's probably still tweaking it, but in the middle of the off-season, like, you can pay as a co- as a coaching service to see where he'll have your team. And so when I go to some of these coaches, sometimes I think some of their information is informed by that, so I'm kind of indirectly probably getting swayed one way or the other. But uh, there are always huge discrepancies, but that's basically the process, and I'm glad that it's... Uh, done uh we can get to some of the teams that we have different i want to get to uh one of the fun parts of this and see where we're certainly uh drastically different if at all in our top 25 i did not look at it, i didn't even look at parishes top 25 and one because i just tr- i try and go at this with with blinders on in terms of my own research and opinion on it so that's kind of the background of of how it comes to be
1: the reason uh, coaches will want those preseason rankings from Ken in the offseason sometimes is be- for scheduling as well. Yes. They're not just interested in knowing where they're going to be. They're like, okay, we got to add a game. We got to add a buy game. You know, is there, a, is there a, a a possibility out there of a top 100 Ken Palm team that we can throw $90,000 at to get, come mm-hmm. play us? So that, that's a factor. So there's some coaches who are really in tune with this stuff. And then the flip side also exists. I mean, I have some coaches who will say, hey, I've got they'll, they'll like text me and they'll be like, hey, I've got to rank our league for a preseason thing. Like, How would you do it? Yes. I've had that. I've had that before.
0: Yes. Yes. I've had that occasionally. Uh, usually, I, I, it'll I be a head ahead. coach because the assistants usually are more in tune. The head coach might be just. Oh, busy. yeah. No, yeah.
1: this was a head coach yeah. uh, in, in a power conference. And he was like, uh, I got to turn in this ballot. But I don't I don't know. I like I think this team's going to be good. And I, I, I'm pretty sure about where we're going to be how would you rank our league? I send him my rankings for the league. And he's like, you know, thumbs up, <laughs> thumbs up, up. Paris, like little thumbs Paris up. Harris
0: contributing to the coaches edition of a preseason poll and an, and <laughs> undisclosed power conference. Good to know. Um, but not surprising uh, whatsoever. So I've got Gonzaga at number one. I, we both have Gonzaga at number one, by the way, we can, we can roll. With yeah.
1: That. Well, well, just some, some basics. I, I did go through and I compared your top okay. 26 to my top 26. Everybody in your top 20, is somewhere in my top 26. And 22 of your top 26 is, they're also in my top 26. So, from a grouping perspective, we're largely in the same ballpark. The difference is, if you're interested, you have USC, Indiana, Xavier, and Oklahoma State in your top 26. I don't have any of them, although USC was in mine at one point before it got bumped out by somebody adding a player transfer. Prospect, whatever. Um, I don't have USC, Indiana, Xavier, Oklahoma State. Instead, I have Auburn, Yukon, Michigan State. And Virginia, but reasonable people can disagree on those. I think we would all you might not have Auburn, UConn, Michigan State and Virginia in your top 26, but you've got them, you know, relatively in, you know high. And mine, I don't go past 26, but mine would those schools you've got that I don't have, they would be in my top 40 for sure. Let's focus on the top, though. Um, I got Gonzaga number one. You got Gonzaga number one. Gonzaga is the betting favorite. I I think Gonzaga will be number one in the AP poll, number one in the coaches poll. Gonzaga did get the most votes in our Candid Coaches series when we asked coaches, more than 100 of them, who's going to be the best team in college basketball this season. So Gonzaga is, if not a consensus number one, pretty close to a consensus number one. Could you make an argument for anybody else? Did you even consider anybody else number one?
0: I considered the only other team I considered for number one is the team that I have at number two, but I didn't do a strong consideration of it because of, frankly, Gonzaga bringing in its best recruiting class, its best freshman class in program history and having the player of the year. The team I have at two, as I as I write in the capsule, uh, I had decided on this team to be number two more than a month ago, really in August, just because of how some of its players looked in the offseason. And I thought when I had I decided this that I was going to be on something of an island. And maybe I probably still will. I don't know if this team will be... I'll be interested to learn if, if this team gets as high as a second-place placement in any other mainstream national poll. That's Purdue. Uh, Purdue, in my opinion, has three of the 30 best players in the sport in Travion Williams, Jaden Ivey, and then Zach Eady, who has been getting... Uh, who played well in U19 competition, as did Jaden Ivey. Uh, just tremendous, tremendous uh, upgrade year over year. And they bring back so much. I consider Purdue. I just couldn't quite go there. Um, it was Gonzaga for the most part, though. Uh, Gonzaga right now has the overwhelming choice for preseason national player of the year in Drew Timmy. And it has a another player in Chet Holmgren who is in the mix to be the number one pick and could be the number one pick in the following year's NBA draft. And that's a situation that I don't know if it doesn't have precedent, but it is extremely rare for a team going into a season to have the preseason national player of the year and then have a separate player who is uh, considered to be a better pro prospect and potentially the number 1 pick. That just doesn't happen all that often and so I don't for,
1: remember another example
0: of it. Exactly. So I'm not saying that it hasn't happened, but it's just it's just not common. And the fact that like Chet Holmgren who's you know beyond 7 feet will probably take 120 plus three-pointers this season. He is, he is just going to look different from everyone else in college basketball. Uh, you, you throw into the fact that Gonzaga has been in the mix you know, for a, a one seed more years than not over the past six, seven, eight years. That's why I went with the Bulldogs at number one.
1: Does it concern you at all that they lost three of their top four scores? Oh, Kispert, Sog, Zayaya.
0: Yeah. Um, concern? Uh, no, but... I, I, I because they return Andrew Nemhart, who's a really talented veteran, big uh, lead point guard. Hunter Salas is the freshman five-star stud point guard that's going to back him up. And when you look at the overall talent there, um, I'm not as concerned. I what's interesting is I don't think that this Gonzaga team, although it's non-conference schedule doesn't doesn't include one road game against a power conference opponent, which is unusual. Um, I don't think this team has nearly the shot of running the table as the one last year for a multitude of reasons. Uh, and I don't think this team will be as good as last season's team, which did finish first at Ken Palm. But I still think that going into the season, it just, it projects, it most safely projects as the best team in college basketball. So that's why, GP, I had him at one, you have him at one, and then I went Purdue two, Nova three, Kansas four, Michigan 5, I'll do my top 10 here. UCLA 6, which is a little bit of a zag, I understand, pun unintended, because almost everyone's going to have UCLA top 3, top 4. I've got Illinois 7, Memphis 8. A little bit of a reach here, but I I like to get a little daring, okay? Flirt a little bit. Bama 9, and then my other contrarian take, if you even want to define it as this is I have Texas at 10, and my reason for the Longhorns at 10, whereas they're going to be in the – I think they'll be a preseason top 25 AP, top 25 team. GP, where's Texas in your poll?
1: I have Texas third. My top 10 is Gonzaga, UCLA, Texas, Kansas, Villanova, Michigan, Memphis, Duke, Baylor, Arkansas.
0: Um, Before I expand on my Texas thoughts, so it looks like uh, Illinois and Alabama are my exceptions to you. Which of those do you have ranked lower, Illinois or Bama?
1: I've got Alabama 12. I've got Illinois 17. Yeah, you guys. I know
0: I'm high in Illinois, but I just think that Kofi Coburn's going to be a top three player in the sport. Andre Curbello, uh, I'm highly considering putting him on my preseason third team All-America for CBS Sports. That stuff will come out next week. And Trent Frazier is an elite super senior. So, again, a little bit of a reach, but... I I like to have a little bit of fun with the top 10. Texas, though, I had, and talk, this this dates back to on the road in July, talking with coaches. There's a huge fascination around the Longhorns, and I had more than one coach tell me listen, they're going to be super talented. This is the most talented that team that Chris Beard's ever coached in his life. But you've got a lot of these guys who need the ball. And a lot of them came from programs that weren't winning programs. So before we go crowning Texas as a preseason, like bonafide surefire final four contender, let's at least allow for the possibility that it'll be a good, not great team that will have some bumps that might, you know, need a couple of weeks or even a month or two to really gel before it finds its footing. And I kind of agree with that. So again, I have Texas technically slotted as a number three seed when we get to March. If that winds up being prophecy, I still think that's a very good year for Chris Beard in his first season. He's got a lot of pieces. And, I, and as I write in the capsule, I just want to see how those new guys, you know, Marcus Carr, Trey Mitchell, et cetera, et cetera, blend around Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey who returned... This is their program, how they blend with all of them. So um, within specifically within my top 10, the two that are lower than you'll see, and they're just mildly different, is, is UCLA at 6, Texas at 10. And then the higher ones and you'll see is Purdue at 2. I don't know if anyone will have Illinois as high as 7, and I probably will be higher than Bama on anyone else at number 9. But I, 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 I'm just a believer in what NADOs can do in the context of that conference.
1: I want to get back to Purdue and Illinois in a second, but first circle back to the zags for a moment the reason i asked you if you're concerned at all that they did lose three of their top four scores is because somebody asked me that recently and my answer was the same as yours no i'm not concerned that they lost three of the top four scores because um you remember the 2019-20 season you remember that team yeah yeah. you know what it lost three of its top four scores what was the record that year I mean, I remember this because
0: I remember talking to Few before the season, and he was like, "This is going to be, a, you know, we're going to need some time. This is going to take a bit." And Gonzaga just went Gonzaga again. Wasn't he so as talented in
1: 2020? They went 31 and two. Then they lost three of their top four scores, and went 31 and one. Exactly. And so they've been through this, and like it's funny you you you, you talked to Mark about um. That last season's team in advance of that season, and he, you know, he was unsure of how great they would be. Um, I talked to other people on the staff, and they were not. I remember when Petrushev uh announced that he was not returning to Gonzaga. And at that point, I had an opportunity, if I wanted to exercise it, to remove Gonzaga from number one in the preseason top twenty-five and one. And I remember reaching out to somebody on the staff and just saying, like, listen, he was was your best player last season, like most productive, all of that stuff. He was really, really good. All-American. And I just – I don't want to quote anybody. I just remember exiting that conversation going, they don't seem to think this is going to matter at all. They just seem to think it's going to open up everything for Drew Timmy. And that's exactly what it did. So if you want to be skeptical that the Zags can – um, you know, playing a national title game again for what would be the third time in a five tournament span because they lost three of their top four scores. That's fine. I guess you do whatever you want, but this is a program that the year prior had lost three of its top four and they responded by taking an undefeated record into the national title game finished 31 and one. They were your runners up.
0: Two things on the Zags before we get to the rest of it here. Uh, one, as I detail in the closing capsule there, I think right now, like end of 2020 into 2021 here. And then 22, this is going to be the apex of the program. Uh, there is some curiosity around college basketball about how much Tommy Lloyd meant to Gonzaga and helped and build And there's no doubt about it. Mark's talked about this, how crucial he was to getting it to this level where Gonzaga is operating like a top five program in the sport. Um, because Mark's getting later in his career, Tommy's now at Arizona. I do think that there will be just a little bit of a step back in the ensuing years. Not that Gonzaga won't be a national title contender, can make Final Fours. So I think it can, but I think that this right now is the apex of the program last season carrying over into this season. The other thing is we have to address this. It's been five days, but is really the biggest news hook that's happened since we uh, last podcasted. Mark Few is going as expected to be suspended uh, for the season opener by Gonzaga. This was announced Saturday morning. Um, He will be back on the sideline to coach in Gonzaga's home game against Texas. When that game is played, it's expected to be... statistically, I guess, the biggest home game in the history of the program because Texas is anticipated to be a top five team. Gonzaga has never hosted in its venue a top five program and Gonzaga has never been that highly ranked when hosting a top 10 program. So it will be the biggest home game ever. That all serves as backdrop to uh, what has been some, you know, reasonable backlash over the fact that, um, you know, Mark Few was pulled over for, uh, incited for a DUI. He was arrested over Labor Day weekend. We talked about this on a previous podcast and when we talked about it, I think both our expectations, if I remember correctly, were that he would be suspended but would not be sat for the Texas game, and that is what has indeed wound up happening. Technically, it's a three-game suspension but really, it's a one-game suspension, because the other two games are exhibitions. They don't count in the standings. They shouldn't count toward a suspension. And conspicuously, Gonzaga actually, uh, in the past month or so, scheduled a second exhibition game, which is something Gonzaga hasn't done since the mid-2000s. So um, it's just not a good look for Gonzaga and for Mark. That they quite obviously, uh, you know, the Gonzaga board is present. It's AD you know, negotiated or however they came to the terms of suspending Mark few for three games, uh, a workaround to that, to him not coaching in the Texas game is by adding a second exhibition game. And, you know, I think a stronger message, a better message would have been sent. If you, had had the gumption to sit few for the Texas game. That actually would have been a powerful statement, but instead he will sit for the season opener. He wasn't at their big craziness at the kennel event last weekend, uh, which is obviously a huge deal in that community there. But we haven't podcasted since then. Wanted to, uh, to bring that up. Few will not be there for the huge Dixie state opener, but he will be on the sideline that first weekend when Gonzaga welp- welcomes in Chris Beard in Texas.
1: The biggest discrepancies between my top 26 20- and Norlander's top 26 both come in the Big Ten. We touched on both teams uh, on a surface level a second ago. We'll dive in a, a little more deeply here momentarily. But first, check this out. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So the biggest discrepancies between my top 26 and Norlander's top 26 both come in the Big Ten. I have Illinois 17th. You have Illinois 7th. I have Purdue 11th. You have Purdue 2nd. In fact, I noticed that three of your top seven come from the Big Ten. You've got Purdue 2nd. Michigan 5th, Illinois 7th. Two questions. What color uh, Big Ten flag do you fly on your front yard above that dead deer? And two, does Dave Revson know you're coming for his job?
0: Got to hope Dave Reston doesn't listen to the pod, but I feel like he does feel like he's hopping on like mid season. Uh, obviously bears okay. colors, you know, Navy blue and orange, no doubt about it. Hey, big Ten's going to be the best league in America again this season. I think it was last season. And I think it's set up to, to do that again. Cause it's not even those teams that you mentioned. You said you have Purdue 11
1: GP. It might be low.
0: That's, that's actually a little surprising there, but I like this. I like diversity of thought. As I explained in the, in the story with the top 68, I think we can sometimes just fall prey to some groupthink, although I will never accuse GP of that because not only does he do the – he does his rankings, obviously, the next day after the national championship game, but he is like – when something is happening, he is consistently updating his offseason top 25 and 1, so he is leading the pack of that. So uh, if anything, it's other people that well, might fall prey to, to him – well,
1: um, well, two things. There has been a study that has shown that I impact the AP poll. Period. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm so powerful I impact the AP poll. That's what studies show. And secondly, I uh I will t- I will be transparent and tell you this. I I my initial rankings are formed on the t- night of the national championship game. And then I only adjust um, if, I, if there's a, a roster development that suggests there's a reason to adjust. I don't just come back, and I see this with other people's rankings. You know, they'll have a team ranked somewhere one week, and then they'll update their rankings six weeks later, and, like, they've got that team five spots higher. Nothing changed. What, 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 did, what happened? I don't do that. I never change for no reason. I have to have a reason. I say that to say this. Sometimes I get locked in. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. And I feel like I might have made a mistake on the night of the national championship game, but I'm locked in, and I can't change for no reason. And so um, it is possible that my version 1.0 of the top 25 and 1 had Purdue a little lower than maybe I should have had them. And then I'm just, I'm locked into a range that I can't get out of. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock because it up. it's not like, you no know, Purdue was adding a, you know, a five-star McDonald's All-American or losing anything of significance. Purdue's roster is kind of what it is. And um, so it, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's certainly, and there's nothing crazy about having Purdue 11. I don't actually think it's that crazy to have it, have them too. Um, but I, I, there are times when I've updated the top 25 and one and I go, Ooh, I hate that, say, Memphis pushed, you know, I've moved Memphis into the top 10, which pushed Purdue out of the top 10.
0: Mm-hmm. Because that is
1: a, that's a break, that's a, that's a line for some people. Like, ooh, we're preseason top 10 or we're not. And I don't love that I don't have Purdue in my top 10, although I do have Purdue um, uh, 11. I, I think they're going to be really good.
0: They, uh, they've got just, I think they've got wonderful potential. Not that, you know, I'm going to be closer to right than you are. And I, again, I like that, di- the diversity of thought circling back to the big 10 thought yeah i'm i'm in on on this conference i when we did our uh, we did a dribble handoff post you me david cobb and kyle Boone, where we all tried to identify a long shot national champion winner like someone specifically i think with worse than 50 to 1 odds to win the to win the championship and i went with indiana um, i talked to a few coaches around the league in the past couple of weeks and from a roster perspective indiana uh is considered at worst the fourth most talented team in this league. Uh one coach told me it's the second most talented team in the league overall. So I think Mike Woodson's going to be huge there in the first season. We'll see three year's 3-4-5 out goes, but I'll tell you right now. Like again, we're gonna have our preseason All America teams next week. I'm putting Trace Jackson Davis on my first team All America team. I think he's going. To, Kofi Coburn's gonna be the probably the player of the year, and I think Trace is gonna be number two player in the conference. So them Maryland has plenty on the roster there. I think the Big Ten overall, both those teams are inside my top twenty five. And then I'm actually a li- I actually faded Michigan State a little bit. Uh, I don't want to spoil every team's spot here because I want you to read the story. But I've got Michigan State outside my top thirty just because there's plenty of intriguing players on that roster and, and they bring important guys back but um i just want to see how they make the leap because there's a couple of teams kansas being one of them who i'm giving the benefit of the doubt although remy martin was the preseason big 12 player of the year i don't don't know about that don't even know if remy martin's <laughs> gonna be best player on kansas but um kansas to- i struggle with this
1: by the way okay. in like preseason stuff who's gonna be kansas's best player who's gonna be texas best player
0: Exactly. I don't know who Texas's best player is going to be. I don't know Kansas. I think it's Ochai Abaji, but you can make a case for McCormick or Remy Martin. But you're right there. I Kansas. I rated high, and it's coming off the point I'm making here. Michigan State and Kansas are coming off their worst seasons uh, ever under their coaches in the Ken era. So I bought in on KU, selling Michigan State a little bit. But if Tom Izzo proves me wrong, I'll be far from the first one to uh, to do so. Um, yeah, though. I mean, are you with me, Big Ten? Overall, best league last season, being the best league in America again this season. It's been the Big 12, but the strength at the top, uh, I know the Big 10 failed in the tournament. I don't even want to get into that nonsense. But overall, are you with me that that's going to be the best league?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't ranked leagues yet. That's not been on my radar, but uh, they have multiple national championship contenders. And I do think uh, Purdue is one of them. I, I think Michigan is one of them. Um,'m trying to see who else I have high from from the big Ten. Um, I, I guess I've got Michigan, Purdue, uh, Illinois, Ohio State,, yep. same. Uh, Michigan State, all in my top 25 and one. So yeah, it's gonna be a a, 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 a really strong league. Um, I do think Purdue's interesting because I I never quite know exactly what to do with teams like this. Purdue was good last season, but just good, you know, good. They're 18 and 10, mm-hmm. lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament at North Texas, finished 25th at Kenpon. Good team. Now they bring back everybody who matters. The top eight scores are all back. What do you do with that? How much be- Can you go from good to elite, bringing back everybody who mattered to a good team? That's what we're asking Purdue to do. That's what you're asking. Yes, Purdue to do. I, th- I, th- yes, because I think you see that
0: with some regularity, year over year in college basketball. Not always, but per- and particularly with the coaching, which is another reason I included it in my capsule. Like, you give me Matt Painter, that size, Jaden Ivey is probably going to go in the first round of the 2022 NBA draft. Now, I- I'll also be clear. Like, I bounced a few thoughts off some coaches and a couple NBA scouts, and. The Jaden Ivey stuff is super interesting because there's a couple of people who are telling me he's he can do it, but let's let's just wait and see. Like he he needs to prove it year over year. He's got to really make some uh, improvements with his shot selection, decision making. But the talent is there. But yes, if you because I think ultimately um, at least two pros on the team, uh, maybe even more, and maybe as many as four. That's why I went with Purdue there. I know it's a little bit high there, but again, like to have a little bit of fun. And yeah, I do think that Purdue we Will be the best team in college basketball, but man, the Big Ten at top—it should be should be a fantastic race. Like I, you've got a fun rivalry evolving with Michigan and Illinois. You know, Hunter Dickinson going after Illinois fans. I think that's I think that's fantastic. So, um, yeah, I think a team like that certainly, and a team like Oklahoma State, who I have twenty six, they lose Kate Cunningham, number one player in the draft. They bring back almost everyone else from a four seed. I actually have them technically slotted lower uh, than where they would have aligned with a four seed last season. But if you're looking for a dark horse team, that's like really, really good. If you're looking for futures, I think Oklahoma State's one. I put, let me just touch on a couple more teams real quickly here, GP, within my you know top 30 to 40, if you will. I put Carolina 20. Um, they bring back a ton I think Hubert Davis has a top twenty talented roster. I think you'll get a little bit of variation on where the Tar Heels are going to wind up, but I put them twenty. And then I put, if we're going to talk Blue Bloods real quick here, I've got Kentucky uh, ahead of Duke, which I don't think you have. Correct? You're you're different from me. Don't you? Do you not have Duke ahead of Kentucky?
1: I have Duke ahead of Kentucky. Kentucky's another one like Texas and Kansas. Who's going to be Kentucky's best player?
0: <sighs> another great question. Don't know. I
1: asked. I asked. Um, people close to the program and the name I got back was Keon Brooks that's
0: my last line of the Kentucky capsule is something along the lines of Keon Brooks is the player who can thrive no matter what lineup you put him in no matter who's around him on the floor he is the Kentucky player most likely to be the best he's the constant so I think that's the most likely answer but they bring
1: it like was, a lot of these schools, we know who the best player is going to be. Yes, we know who the best player is going to be at Duke. We know who the best player is going to be at Gonzaga. We know who the best player is going to be at Illinois. We know who the best player is going to be at Michigan. Some of these places, we just it's it's a little harder to figure out. Mm-hmm. I've got Kentucky thirteen.
0: Credit Kentucky athletics with this stat though. Uh, they they have twelve scholarship players on their roster uh, with more than thirteen thousand minutes play. They average four hundred thirty six points for their career. Like they've got a lot of experience, just not together. Only three freshmen coming in. They're good freshmen. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know if any of them are going to wind up being as important as Oscar Chibwe, West Virginia transfer Davion Mintz. I've got Kentucky thirteen. I've got Duke at fifteen, and I know we're going to wind up talking about Duke. Else, you know, as we move on in the preseason, um, both those teams obviously to make the tournament. Paulo Panchero uh, should be just phenomenal this season, and so because of that. I I had to put Duke top fifteen because I think with him there he's a potential national player of the year at the end of the season. Um, I know they were down last season, but they have too much back that I couldn't I couldn't talk myself out of. And this that that's by the way where I had him about a year ago, and they wound up. You'll recall D- Kentucky and Duke were seen as preseason top ten teams. I faded that. No one could have seen what was coming. They wound up not even making the tournament. I got Tennessee sixteen. I gave you a shout out by the way in the capsule of Tennessee. I said here's the last line of it. I said. Uh, if Chandler's a revelation, Kennedy Chandler, who I think might be a top three freshman in the country, by the way, oh, behind, that's
1: my little homie from Memphis behind
0: Palo and Chet. I think Kennedy Chandler might be number three when we get to the end of it. If he's a revelation and Fulkerson can be as good this season as some thought he would be last season. Where are you at, Gary Parish?
1: <laughs> and yeah,
0: UT can win the SEC. I think, you're, I think your Fulkerson thing is going to wind up being true. Not that he wasn't good last year, but
1: last year we were thinking like, could he? He was not good last year. <laughs> okay, was well- like, we, were, we don't have to sugarcoat it. He was not. He was not the player that... He was not the player he was in those last few weeks of the previous season. He was just, it never clicked for him for whatever reason.
0: Uh, Bonnie's fans, 19. Where do where you got Bonaventure? You know yeah. I, not top 25 and one, do you? Oh, well, of course I do. Okay. I have seen Bonaventure 25th.
1: Okay. 19.
0: they every time I, everyone every,
1: back. Every time I update the top 25 and one, Woj text me. Every single time. He's so fired up. <laughs>
0: You should be fired up. This is like the best Bonaventure teams came back during the Bob Lanier era, but this is probably going to be the best Bonaventure team not from the greater 1970 71 72 uh, era. Like big time stuff. That's the best That's the best mid-major team this season cuz Saint Bonaventure is a mid-major program. If you've ever been there and know how it operates like it just is. Mark Schmidt's a, a magician there. A Couple other ones if you're looking for small schools that uh, you should be aware of. Well, one more surprise in my top 25 cuz it's a team that I think you probably didn't even consider. Now, when you do your top 25 and one you basically have like uh, a shifting group of what like 33 34 teams under consideration
1: that's a well I mean I start from opening night and then it 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 dwindles it typically dwindles over like if you're ranked 26th on the night of the title game uh, there's a good chance you ain't gonna survive it because teams are going to add pieces big pieces that push them into the rankings and then knocks you out unless you're somebody who also adds. like if you are in the clubhouse at 26 on the night of the title game you ain't gonna make it so um i do end up like there are some teams that have been i've had ranked at various points in the offseason that got bumped out by I don't know, um, Memphis jumping in um, and, you know, other schools jumping in. I think Oregon jumped in at some point when it did something. Illinois jumped in when it got Kofi back. Um, So USC was ranked at one. I had them at one point. They're not in there now. Syracuse I know I had in there at one point. They're not in there now. So it ends up being about, yeah, 30 to 32, 33 teams that – at some point we're probably in there and I still keep the rosters you know in a file so I can grab them if I ever need them
0: okay so I think the one team I have in my top 25 that's not in your bucket is Xavier would that be accurate
1: I never considered Xavier that is true but I am I am not ignorant to some of the preseason metrics like they are I believe top 20 at Torvik
0: are they really okay yeah. <laughs> That's frustrating, but OK, um, only because I thought I was maybe uh, sneaking in the back door with X because at the end of it, like I started doing this, I think I had Xavier maybe like 31, but then I looked up and I was like, I got one Big East team in the top 25. That's just not going to happen. So some of this stuff, like I'll get an order and I'm like, this is just historically not how it shakes out. Like Villanova not going to be that much better than the rest of the Big East where there's not going to be a second Big East team in the top 25. So I went with Xavier. I've got them at 25. They bring back a ton. This is by far Travis Steele's best team. And to the Xavier fans listening to this podcast, I know. like, there is, It's not a hot seat season, but it 100% will be if they don't, he doesn't get this team to the tournament. Like, He hasn't been yet to the tournament, hasn't had a tournament-worthy team. This is going to be the season. The, Xavier will get back to the tournament for the first time since Chris Mack was coaching there. As for a couple of mids to know, I do have Loyola Chicago, 28. The two people that are gone are the two most important, Porter Mosier obviously now at Oklahoma and Cameron Crutwick was the team's best player, but Drew Valentine was on staff and brought back everyone. So this was a, a team that was top 10 in Ken Palm. And I, truthfully, I had Loyola closer to like 34, 35, but then the teams I put behind him, which you can go read about, um, I couldn't justify it. That's a top 30 team mid-major. Uh, elsewhere mid-majors to look out for, Colorado State, 32, best team in the Mountain West in my opinion. You won't find consensus on that, but the Mountain West will have a strong top end. I think it'll be minimum a 3 bid league this season. Um, I've got BYU at 36. I've got Belmont at 38. That's might even be low. We'll see. This 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 is gonna be the biggest year. Shouts to Rick Bird for for Belmont uh, going in. as maybe they've ever had there. I've got them 38. And then if you're looking uh, Richmond at 41, San Diego State 42. Um, I'll wrap up with if if there are a couple surprises here, like I don't know. Uh, I got Syracuse 46. The hell, Buddy Beheim. there's just a lot of question marks there. Uh, Texas Tech at 40 might be lower than some people would want. They've got Terrence Shannon Jr. back, but they lost some pieces. And I just want to see it without Beard, that's all. Um, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I was too drastic on anyone. Again, Michigan State 34, okay, that might wind up being a little bit low. Auburn's got good talent, but they also don't have Alan Flanagan, maybe for the entire year. Alan Flanagan was like top five returning score in the SEC, so I have questions there. And then there are just teams that were like, Real quick here, GP. Like I know you go through this when you do your top twenty-five. Be it teams that are in, or if you're if you're just trying to consider them. My biggest question marks were Arizona. Like I don't know what to do with them to like fifteen twenty spots. Arizona, Louisville,
1: Rutgers. I'm not Louisville's happy. Another team that I had in at one point and then had to push them. I out.
0: got Rutgers thirty-nine, and I'm not comfortable with it. But that's that's just where they landed. But th- that was uh, yeah, I might have struggled over Rutgers as much as any other team. West Virginia, I have 45th. I'm not comfortable with that one. And then, That's another team that I had in at
1: one point, but then had to get rid mm-hmm. of them.
0: I've got St. John's at 49. Now, I, I'm comfortable with it, but they bring back Julian Champenny and Posh Alexander and... Golden Gate Mike. Of course. I mean, we're finishing each other's sandwiches right now. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, Golden Gate, Mike, back in the fold. If you told me St. John's pushed its way to a top three Big East finish, it wouldn't surprise me. I've got them at 49. Johnny's fans, come and find me. Um, Two teams near the top 50 who are going to, I think, have bounce-back seasons of relevance. I've got Mississippi State at 51. They have... Hey, look at the dudes on this roster now. DJ Jeffries from Memphis. Garrison Brooks from UNC. Rocket Watts from Michigan State. Iverson Molinar is back. Really good point guard. Mississippi State is such a monotonous blob program in most seasons, but, and I, I technically have them off the cut line, like going to the NIT, but this should be as interesting of a season, ideally, for Mississippi State. It's had it in a long, long time. Right behind them, It'll be the best Washington State season since Tony Bennett was there. I've got him 52. Kyle Smith has a, has a good roster there, and I think that that will be a top half of the, of the Pac-12 team. Last thoughts. Wisconsin at 53 is probably going to irk some Badgers fans, but I think that's objectively fair. Um, I know that Iowa fans are going to come and find me. I've got him 59 behind Northwestern. Keegan Murray's going to have a good year, but you, don't, I mean, you lose Garza, Wieskamp. TJ Frederick goes to Kentucky. There's just a lot to make up there. It is a drastic step back. It is. But um, but I couldn't justify getting him any, any higher. Then I love Buffalo at 60. And um, closing thought, we'll kind of go for a full circle here, GP. I think this will be the best year in the history of the West Coast Conference. Gonzaga at one. And then I've got BYU and Saint Mary's making the tournament, and then I got San Francisco um, at 68 and Loyola Mary, Marymount is a top 100 team. Five teams in the top 100 for that uh, for that conference uh, should be really interesting, and it's also why I think ultimately Gonzaga is not going to be able to repeat what it did a year ago because I think I think at least one team in some spot is going to pick off the Zags in conference play.
1: You mentioned Iowa; they're obviously set up for. Um, a pretty significant drop. It might be till after football season to a lot of the Iowa fans notice they're really enjoying that right now, but they just lost so much, and that's not the type of program that's going to load up with a top five recruiting class and 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 not miss a beat. Um, to circle back to what we were initially talking about here, Purdue, and I think that's the most drastic thing you're going to run into. Purdue at number two doesn't mean you're wrong; just means like I don't think you're going to see too many people turning in, let's say, AP ballots that got Purdue at number two. Um, Purdue heading into this season is not unlike Iowa heading into last season. Mm. And I don't mean style of play, anything like that, roster makeup, nothing. I just mean that in the 2019 20 season, Iowa went 20 and 11, finished 23rd at Kinpom. A good team, but just good. Like, uh, remember, Purdue last season, 18 and 10, 25th at Kinpom. Iowa, two seasons ago. 20-11, 23rd at Ken Palm. But Same sort of you know, range of quality of team. And then what did Iowa do? Last season, they returned um, the top four scores and seven of the top eight. And they went 22-9, and nine, finished seventh at Ken Palm, then got demolished in the second round of the NCAA tournament by Oregon. Why? A lot of different reasons. But the main one was because their fatal flaw the year before remained a fatal flaw last season. Like they 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 brought all the most of the important pieces back from a team that was good but that struggled defensively. And so, what were they last season? They were a, a, a noticeably better team, but they still had this fatal flaw, and it stopped them from being elite. In fairness to Purdue, they don't have a fatal flaw. Like Purdue wasn't great offensively or great defensively last season, but they weren't terrible at, at either either. Um. So they don't have this big glaring issue um, that that Iowa had, you know, last year and the year before. But it is similar in the sense that what is Purdue? It's a team that was borderline top twenty-five Ken team. brings back brings back everybody who matters. Can you go from that to elite? I don't think there's any doubt they're going to go from good to really good because you bring back all these guys. They're going to be better. Matt's terrific. Can they actually make the jump from? good to elite maybe and i do think that's one of the more interesting things heading into the season to consider
0: uh yeah and i think that they i think they will You also have a recent history of purdue making a deep tournament run painters knocked on the door a couple of times he seems to have reached the level here where he's on the short list two three guys best coaches not to have made a final four yet um this could really be Could really be the group here. Keep an eye on Zach Eady because he's probably not going to play on the floor a ton with Trayvon Williams, who's a better player right now. But uh, I anticipate, uh, and this will be reflected when we start ranking out our top 101 players, like when we get to March, um, we're going to look at Purdue as a one, two, three seed candidate. And we're going to see when Zach Eady's on the floor, like this team's just ridiculous. So I think he will grow into a top 30 player in the sport. And if Ivy clicks, we will will certainly see... um, Just, I think, a really fun race. Like, I do think it is Purdue, Illinois, Michigan. Take a little bit of a drop. Toss in Ohio State, Indiana, Maryland, Michigan State. That seven, and then maybe another little bit of a drop. And then after that, you're going to have the teams that are going to be in the bubble conversation. I think those seven, obviously barring injury, going into me, those seven, the fan bases at those seven Big Ten schools should feel comfortable, like, no, we will... We will not only make the tournament, we should be comfortably in once we get to March.
1: Before we get out of here, some interesting recruiting news from the week. Jet Howard, a consensus top 50 prospect who is Juwan Howard's son, committed to, you're not going to believe this, Michigan. <laughs> Deadleg, how surprised were you when Juwan Howard's son announced he was going to play for his father at his father's alma mater? Uh, what are we doing here?
0: <laughs> who are the other schools? Do you have in front of you? I don't have his recruiting page up. Who were the other schools, quote unquote, recruiting Jet Howard? He took visits to NC
1: State, Georgetown, and Tennessee.
0: You know what? More power to him because I think that he should. He, you want to you do that, right? But, like, in
1: our heart of hearts. I, I don't doubt that he wants to do it. And, listen, I'm not questioning Kevin or Pat or or, or Rick. I mean, they're obviously, they, they know how to run their basketball programs. There is no scenario I'm bringing Jawan Howard's kid on an official visit. Zero percent chance. Uh, just like, like, it's one thing when you have the Patrick Baldwin Jr. situation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's different. Th- that, that's different because here you got a five-star future lottery pick, consensus top 10 guy, and his dad is the head coach at a bid major. His dad's the head coach in the Horizon League. So if you're Duke, for instance, because Duke did recruit him, um, that makes sense to me because it might just ultimately come down to, I don't want to play in the Horizon League when I can play in the ACC. You know, I don't want to play a Milwaukee when I can play a Duke. Uh, so I think if you're Mike Shesky, John Shire, you hang in there till the end and just hope that you are offering something so obviously superior to what his father can offer that he might just say, dad, I love you, but I can't pass on the opportunity to go play in Cameron Indoor. Um, Jed Howard's dad is the coach at Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> he, He's like, why would he? I'm not saying nobody would ever pick NC State, Georgetown, or Tennessee over Michigan because that's obviously ridiculous. Of course, some people would. But why would the Michigan coach's son pick any of your schools over the school at which his father coaches and his father attended? It just like I, mm. I mean, listen. Like I said, I, I, I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way. I'm not saying these people are ridiculous. I'm just saying I, I. I remember people talking to him back in the summer. They were like, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where Jed Howard ends up. I'm like, what are you talking about? Where, where, where do you think Jed Howard's ending up other than Michigan? His dad's the coach at Michigan.
0: He's going to be a good player, by the way. Oh, by the way, Milwaukee, 205 in my rankings. I've heard from a few Panthers fans that aren't satisfied with that, but they were bad in recent years. We'll see what Baldwin can do in the Horizon League. As for Jed Howard, yeah, like this was always going to be the end game. Um, just a side note on his play. I think we might have talked about him in July when we saw him in person love this dude's game. Like, I don't think he's a one and done. I don't think probably a uh, two or three year player, but someone who he looks like to me, like he kind of reminds me of, uh, of the kind of player who like, who pops on the, on the, on the recruiting trail will be a, a, a good first year player then, as like midway through his sophomore season, it's gonna, it's just gonna all come together, and he's gonna wind up being one of the five to ten best guys in the Big Ten. Like aside from him being Juwan Howard's son, committing to Michigan, highly recruited player, all that, he just looks like he's got the tools to be a very, very good college player with a season or a season and a half of seasoning, if you will, and will. It should keep Michigan. You know, we talk about where you got him in the preseason, where I have him. This will be a Michigan team that will enter the season as a Big Ten contender. Hunter Dickinson, potential first-team All-American with sights on making the Final Four. It just came up short, you know, a possession short last season. Um, it just, it, it seems like Michigan has maintained this going forward. It, it has reached a spot, and we'll have to kind of circle back and confirm this once we get 10, 12 games into this season, Parish. But it's basically just about reached a spot here where the expectations have just stayed steady since they lost Beeline. They just just stayed steady. And that's a phenomenal thing we'd consider the circumstances under which Beeline left, what's happened to his career since he left and went to the Cavs. He's no longer even there. And the time of on the calendar when they got Jawan Howard and, and the fact they got Jawan Howard and he's done this well. It's it's really something remarkable. And oh, by the way, the fact that Jawan Howard happens to have a son who's a damn good college basketball player just further reinforces Michigan's standing atop that conference and in the national landscape.
1: I think we're overlooking the fact that he goes by Jet. I love it. Two Ts.
0: Need more Jets in the world. I dig it. At, at least need more pilots. Didn't need more pilots. <laughs> Fair enough. I didn't know where you're going there. That's right. That, that could very much uh, very much be the case there. But yes, I love Jet. We got Jet coming in. And again, just to remind, I love the fact that one of the five best players in the sport might be a dude named Chet this season. We need more Jets. We need more Chets. Love this.
1: Um. Funny little quote from uh, Jeff Brazello, Paul McCarty on Jed Howard's commitment. Like the question was somewhere along the lines of like, you know, how'd you tell your mom? How'd you tell your dad? And he told his mom before he told his dad. And uh, according to Jed, he he was in a car ride with his mother. And he said, um, I'm going to Michigan and I'm going to play for your husband, (laughs) which is just sort of a funny way to put it. It I'm going to play for your husband. I wonder how many times in history – a recruit has told a woman, I'm going to play for your husband in college. I like, guess can't be a common can't
0: thing. Can't be common,
1: no. But so that was good. And then um, I'm with you. I like him a lot. He checks two boxes that I, I think are important. Um, he's a former player slash coach's son, right? Mm-hmm. And he's also talented. Sometimes the coach's sons or former player sons, they're not that talented. They just grew up in it, so they got good. But they don't have the talent to go with it. And then every once in a while you get these dudes who they're the former player from a coach's son, and they're also super duper talented. And that is a wonderful combination. That's how you get Steph Curry. It's how you get Jaron Jackson jr. Um, And it's uh, it's certainly it's, you know, it certainly seems it's Patrick Baldwin. Yeah. Um, And it certainly seems that jet uh, falls into that category. He's not just, good because he's Jawan Howard's kid and he grew up in it. He has natural ability that has been developed into something that allows him to be a a legitimate high major player, a consensus top 50 prospect and somebody who absolutely has a chance to someday play in the NBA. I don't think he's one and done. If nothing else, where he's ranked in his class suggests he's not one and done, or at least probably not one and done, but could I envision him someday playing in the NBA? Sure.
0: Yeah, I could see it. I could see him certainly getting there. Um, you got anything else, buddy? I just started Squid Game and I'm not even close. I'm still 3 episodes from finishing Ted Lasso season 2. So,
1: Yeah, oh, I'm done with Ted Lasso.
0: Yeah, I'm nice I still got a few more. I I got another season of Billions, but now that the 1 to 358 is done, I have a little bit more time on my weeknights. <laughs> not scrolling through Southland teams. I can uh, try and catch up, but I did see a thing where they're saying squid game is apparently like on pace to be the most streamed show in the history of Netflix. So
1: it's it's Netflix's biggest launch ever already. Okay. So I, I just started that. I was like, I gotta see what's going on with this squid game. So I started that. Um, billions they just sort of restarted that season right in the middle like I, it was two weeks into the restart before i even knew what was happening i was like what they did they really billions they, they restarted it so I've, I've got a few episodes of that i've got to finish to knock out that season and um what else am i on a lot of oh, the, things a new britney murphy documentary came out today on hbo max okay
0: and you're all up on it i i don't I
1: want know. to know what happened to her okay. i want to know what i want to know how that's went went I want to know how that went the wrong way so fast. Yeah, I'm. I'm she died, right?
0: Yes, yes, yes,
1: yes. Got to figure out what happened there.
0: So <laughs> that's 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 your latest. By the way, we will have our All America teams. I'm, I've been promoting it three times in this podcast. I'm almost certain it's happening next week. So we will be talking about that, and our preview podcasts are coming. Twenty six days. Until the start of the season, Parrish and I will be there on hand for the Champions Classic in Madison Square Garden. So, um, I think we are officially, like we are officially, officially in, in preseason content season right now. We love it. I
1: I have already turned in my All America ballot. Have you submitted yours?
0: I am just about ready. I got to do a couple little, couple little tinkers. I gotta, I gotta send. Uh, I got to send my ballots to all the head coaches, make sure it's okay with them. They got to tweak it before I publish it. You know, I got to send that, make sure they're good with it and then we'll be good to go.
1: you like, you're taking shots there.
0: Uh, you know. What can, I, what can you say?
1: Max Aismas, first team, all America on my ballot. You have him first team. I put him first team. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you my first team right now. I'm not shy. Okay. Max tell- Aismas. Okay. Go ahead. Oral Roberts, Johnny Juzang, UCLA, Paulo Benquero. Duke, Drew Timmy, Gonzaga, and Kofi Coburn, Illinois.
0: Your last three there. Your three bigs are my three bigs. Um, I haven't figured out the rest. Uh, although we do differ on one thing, and then we can get out of here. I'm not, I'm not concerned. Like I'll tell you what. a Trace is going to be there. Trace Jackson Davis. This isn't a team that I actually have to put on the floor to compete. I don't know if I'm going to have one guard on my preseason first team. I might just. I want to pick the five best players on the five, you know, on the five to ten to fifteen best teams. So, Asmus will not be there. He'll be second team, maybe third team. But like, I don't know. I got Purdue number two. I kind of think I got to put Trayvon Williams in that fifth spot there. But I got to figure that out later on today.
1: Got to figure out what happened to Brittany Murphy. You know,
0: am, I putting, sad, a, I, put, am I putting? And I am I putting Brittany Murphy in the no context preview? Am I dropping? Is that? I, th- I think I have a, to. It's
1: yeah. just a sad deal.
0: All right. Yeah. Huh? yeah. She was in Clueless, right? I'm remembering the same actress.
1: She dated Ashton Kutcher for a little while. Then no. she started dating that monster. Then yeah. she ended up dead. No Got to idea. figure out what happened. I think that's what I'm going to try to do at some point today. Right. Figure out what happened to Brittany Murphy. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Corey Herring a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys and gals for listening once again to the Ion College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the... Oh boy. It is dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. And then we brought Kyrie right to the forefront. <laughs> boy, did he make this dumber or not? Uh,
0: <laughs> this, don't get me started.
1: This Kyrie Irving is something else, man. It no doubt is the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime once Kyrie became the face of it you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. While you're there, please rate it and review it. Five stars and type some nice words. We do read them and appreciate it. You knock that out. We're going to talk to you again real soon. Until then, take care.